Well, good morning again, Lindsley Avenue. Good morning. Good to see everybody. Good to have a few faces back that may not have been with us in a while, and some visiting. Uh, you're welcome. Any and every opportunity you have to come and meet with us as we seek to serve and worship God. Uh, glad to have Jesse Don over there. I know he's uh, there. He hears his name. He's like, what? What? I see him waving back. Uh, I'm going to have something in just a couple of minutes, something for you and something for you boys back here as well. Uh, Thurl will be making the delivery to you. We're not going to come up front uh, today, but we'll have something. We'll be talking about it because I want you all to be thinking about what we're discussing here today as well. Uh, we're in the middle of a series about it all adds up. It's coming out of 2 Peter 1. As Phil read earlier, for this very reason, because we have left our old way of living and are now seeking to live for God, for this very reason, giving all diligence, put some effort into it, add to our faith virtue, add to our virtue knowledge, and to knowledge self-control. That's what we're going to be focusing on today, self-control. There are a few other things we add once we get self-control added to us. Patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. We're studying these things because these are qualities God wants in members of his family. So do we have them? Do we have them? These are things God wants his children to be. So we're going to dive into self-control. Now, there's a blank spot on your handout that you can write in the name uh, in answer to this last question on the screen. Okay? But first, this is actually the point I want Thurl to make the delivery. Be thinking, who needs self-control the most? Don't answer out loud yet. But Thurl's going to hand off something. This is a little treat. The only requirement for this treat is that you do not eat it until after the sermon. Jesse Don, you hear me? Do not eat it until after, after the sermon. Boys, after after the sermon, okay? Don't worry, it'll only last about 45 more minutes. <laughs> All right, so do not eat it until after the sermon, okay? So look, when you're thinking about who needs self-control the most, who's the symbol of someone that lacks self-control that I suspect younger people certainly will know, I think all of us will, but I know the younger people will, from a kid's TV show, I'll give you that hint. Who needs self-control the most? Cookie Monster. Cookie Monster. <laughs> Absolutely correct. Because this poor guy cannot help himself. He even has a song, you know, C is for cookie, right? I can hear him singing it all the time. He'll see there and he, he just chomp, 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 chomp. Cookie pieces flying everywhere. Cookie Monster is one of my middle names. Because I not only love cookies, but cakes and pies and all that kind of stuff. I have a lot of trouble with self-control with the same kind of things Cookie Monster has. And there's one little thing they do on Sesame Street with Cookie Monster where they show him with a table full of cookies, a platter full of cookies. And he's talking to himself about he wants the cookie, but he's not supposed to eat it. But he wants the cookie. He's trying to exercise some self-control. Now, I talked before, I think it was last year, about experiments that people have done with kids, trying to see how much self-control the kids have. Now, 
It's easy, as I said in class today, to look at children and say, well, they should have more self-control. Well, be careful. When you point at something or someone, you got fingers pointing back at you. Adults hardly are masters of self-control. But this is something I'm going to try. I'm going to have a video. And believe it or not, we're going to see if it'll actually play the sound. I'm going to, I, I think it will. So here we go. It's about a three-minute video, so bear with me. What you're going to see is uh, some, a video of some experiments people did with kids where they gave them something and said, don't eat it until they come back. And you're going to see these kids struggle with self-control. So we'll, hopefully this works, right? See what you think. One more quick.
she going to eat the plate? <clears throat> now, I, I enjoyed that as much as all the rest of you did, but it's easy to look at kids and say, why can't they have some self-control? But I guarantee you there are lots of people in our neighborhoods, in our town, in our state and country that have that same kind of reaction for all sorts of things. All sorts of things. When you can't restrain yourself, you're not in control of yourself. And God says he wants his children to be, have, possess self-control. So what does the Bible say about self-control? Remember the marshmallow as we talk about this. Well, back in Proverbs 25, verses 27 through 28, the verse starts off, It is not good to eat much honey, nor is it glorious to seek one's own glory. How would you feel if you ate a one-pound tub of honey? The first bite or two? Yum, yum. I mean, I love me some biscuit to go along with my plate full of honey. I really do. But eating a whole pound of honey, you're going to be like, bad all day you're going to feel so terrible. It is not good to eat much honey, nor is it glorious to seek one's own glory. But a man without self-control is like a city broken and left without walls. If I don't have self-control over myself, if I, as a man, as a woman, if I can't control my behaviors, then I'm like a city left without walls. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 25. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it, that you may get the prize. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. We would we think gold medals and things like that today, but the first century was a, a wreath of leaves that they would wear <clears> on their head. They do it to receive a perishable wreath because the leaves would essentially dry out and fall apart, crack. But we do it to receive a crown that does not perish. Now, every athlete exercises self-control. I did my best to try to find a picture of like Rocky Balboa eating a plate full of donuts or, or something like that. I really couldn't find it. No athlete worth any, 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 any worth at all is going to have any kind of picture of themselves, you know, with like 40 uh, pieces of pizza on a piece of uh, a plate or something like that. So I couldn't find that, but I think we understand. If you want to be a good athlete, you've got to control yourself. You've got to have discipline. You've got to get up and go exercise, watch what you eat, things like that. I guess that's why all of us are all the, you know, what do I say, little V-shaped. Of course, me, right? Obviously, very much an athlete. I didn't have... <clears throat> donuts this morning. But we don't have sometimes a lot of self-control, do we? We just don't. What areas does God want us to exercise self-control in? We need to have self-control. Self-control related to what? To what? Well, one of the areas God expects us to exercise self-control, you could call it the area here of lust. Look at 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 5. This is the will of God. Paul is speaking here to people who are members of God's family. Your sanctification. Fancy, fancy religious word. It means being different. He wants us to not be like the people that are around us. He wants us to be different. In particular, that you abstain from sexual immorality. In the first century world, much like today, 
immorality, immoral behavior was everywhere. In fact, pagan religions had that as part of their worship services. It is said that to walk around in the city of Corinth, many times you had to step over people who were being immoral in the middle of the street. God expects us to be different, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you knows how to control his own body. You could easily say control her own body in holiness and honor. Again, holiness being different, separated from the people around us, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. A particular statement in Titus 2 that we studied this summer on the spring in class, likewise urged the younger men to be self-controlled. That marshmallow may look really good on the plate. Don't pick it up and start sniffing it. Right? Don't rub it around in your fingers because that's just going to make it worse because you will be wanting it. Right? And just like God has told us, the person leaving the room with the child said, don't eat it until I come back. God has said that we abstain from sexual immorality. God has a place for things in this type of behavior, and that place is inside a marriage bond. What other areas? Anger. That's another big one. Anger. God expects us to exercise self-control and anger. If we don't control our anger, we end up with violence. If we end up with violence, you end up with very, very bad things. Proverbs 19, verse 11. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. If you've ever seen TV shows with police and mob people, right? You know, people in organized crime. Many times the theme is, you know, that they have, they have offended me. They, they, they've made me look small in the eyes of the other people. I can't let that stand. I've taken offense, and so I have to respond. That's not what God would have us do. Good sense makes us slow to anger. Going off like that leads to bad things. We need to learn to control our responses, really the most anything, anger, immoral thoughts or actions that we might be tempted to do. Another statement here from Ecclesiastes 7.9, Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. Why would somebody be a fool if anger is lodging in their heart? Because they are headed for actions that God has said don't do. What if somebody's angry at you? Don't make it worse, right? Don't make it worse, seek to make it go away. Ideally, don't do something that's gonna generate anger at all if you can avoid it. Do not be quick to become angry. James 1, 19 through 20. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I promise you, on any of these TV shows or movies with people in organized crime, people who are seeking revenge, their behaviors are not what God would want from his people. It does not produce the righteousness of God. If I want to go home to live with God, I need to become the kind of person God wants me to be, not the kind of person that simply does what I might want to do. 
Self-control actually comes from the spirit within us. Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the spirit. If I have the spirit of God, God's spirit dwelling within me, that will be filling me and I won't have any room left over for immoral thoughts and actions and anger. Look at 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know or don't you know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells within you? If you're a member of God's family, you are the temple of God because God's spirit, as it were, dwells within you. That happens when you become a member of his family. And with the spirit of God dwelling within us, we talked about this a lot last year, we're gonna look at it here again, that spirit will produce fruit. The seed, if you will, of the spirit living in my heart will have things grow out of my character. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. If I can't control my behavior, it's really a symptom of the fact that I'm not really giving God's spirit much room to live and grow within me. And if that's a problem, I need to focus on drawing closer to God rather than taking a psychological self-help class on saying no to the marshmallow, right? If I have God's spirit living within me, if I focus on the things of God, if I seek to have my life be the kind of life God wants me to have, these fruits are gonna start growing out of me. I'm going to show love to other people instead of anger or hatred. I'm gonna be a happy person even in times of suffering, I have a longer-term view, knowing what the future holds. That will bring peace. That will bring peace. I'll be patient with other people because I would certainly know I want God to be patient with me, and I want other people to be patient with me. I need to also show kindness. I need to practice intentional, intentional acts of kindness. It grew popular a couple years ago for people to say, practice random acts of kindness. Okay, that, that's, that's not a bad start, but how about we make it intentional? Look for situations and ways to be proactively kind for other people. Show goodness in what we do. When you leave somebody's presence, when you leave being around somebody or other people, Leave an air, if you will, of goodness where people can tell that there's something different about you or me. And to be gentle. You know, you don't have to hit the nuclear button on the very first thing that something goes wrong with. Have ways of slowly easing into things. Be gentle about it. Um, how much fun would it be with games if you were playing games with somebody else that the moment one of your pieces was taken, you just take and throw the board into the fireplace or something like that, right? That's called like punching the nuclear button. Well, when I interact with people, sometimes things don't go the way both of us would hope, even sometimes among brothers and sisters. Well, go about it slowly. Go about it gently because maybe I'm misunderstood. Maybe they misunderstood. Take it one step at a time. Be gentle. And again, as we're studying here this morning, self-control. There's no law against these things. In fact, God's law, if you will, would suggest we need them all. We need them all. 
add to your faith self-control. With our faith in God, our commitment to be the best we can be, to fulfill our purpose, to become what God wants us to be, with the practical knowledge to live like children of God, we need to be in control of ourselves. But in fact, much of what I've already said this morning is really not the main point. It's not so much self-control. That's how it's phrased. I want to put to you, it really should be God control. Is God in control of my life? Self-control is what the Bible calls it. Self-control is what we will say it to be. But really, truly, all it shows is that God is in control of my life. So this morning, I want to ask you that practical, basic question. Is God in control of your life or are you? If it's you, if you are in control of your life, that's not going to end well. That's important. God needs to be in control of your life. Your life needs to have been given to God where you are developing these qualities because you focus on being close to the God who created you. How do I become a member of God's family? We've seen this now for a couple of weeks. I'm going to continue to put it up here until we can almost say these things verbatim because this is Jesus speaking. Unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. Jesus said, unless you believe that He is the Messiah, that He came to save you, you're going to die in your sinful situation. That's, that does not lead to a good future. He also said in Luke 13, 3, I tell you, unless you repent, unless you turn your life around, unless you quit living for yourself and you start living for God, you will all likewise perish. I don't like the word dying in my sins. I don't like the idea here of perishing. I want to go home to live with God. I don't want to have a future where I perish. And then in Mark 16, 16, again, Jesus speaking here. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. That's the way to become a member of God's family according to Jesus. And if you have not done that, we urge you to do that this morning. You're a member of God's family, but God has not been in control of your life the way you know you really should be. Too many times you haven't been in control of yourself either. The way to get back on track is to tell God you know you have not done what you should do. To ask Him to forgive, which He will gladly do. And we offer the opportunity every time we meet on Sunday morning to have someone come and say, please take my name before God in prayer, ask him to forgive. And every time we have done that, I promise that's not the only person in the building who needs God's forgiveness, we all do. If any of these things are things we can help you with this morning, please, please come as we stand and sing.